Welcome everyone and thank you for joining me today. You are all in for a treat. Today we will be speaking with potential 2023 Million Hearts Hypertension Control Challenge Champion. I am Kristen Neal, your host for today. I am a practice transformation specialist with quality insights and I will be interviewing Dr. John A. Opiate, Chairperson of Title Health Nanticoke Department of Primary Care and Medical Director of Title Health Immediate Care. Title Health has 80 locations throughout the Delmarva Peninsula servicing patients. Dr. Opiate has worked for Title Health for several years and has been a powerful change agent who ultimately led Title Health Federalsburg to qualify for submission to the 2023 Million Hearts Hypertension Control Challenge. Dr. Opiate will share some of the common challenges that practices face in regards to hypertension controls and the strategies Title Health Federalsburg employed to combat these barriers. We will then end with guidance on how other practices can replicate the efforts done at this location to in return create a positive impact on blood pressure management. Million Hearts is a national initiative to avert 1 million preventable cardiovascular disease events from January 2022 to December 2026. The 2023 Million Hearts Hypertension Control Challenge is intended to recognize clinicians and medical practices that are successful in working with their patients to achieve exemplary um, hypertension control rates, improve understanding of success implementation strategies at the health system level, and motivate national improvement in hypertension control. Hypertension control is described as practices who achieve blood pressure control, blood pressure readings below 140 over 90 among 80% of their hypertensive population aged 18 to 85. Title Health Federalsburg Primary Care is comprised of a two-person provider care team. The site is mid-size having roughly 1,700 active patients. Our guest today is Dr. Appiat. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Kristen. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today? Good, good. That's good to hear. Dr. Appiat, could you please provide us a little background about your work at Title Health Federalsburg Primary Care? What does your patient demographic look like? Would you say there is a higher older adult population or more young adults? Do you see your practice see many pediatric patients? Well, I've been practicing uh, primary care in Federalsburg for about 28 years at this location. Uh, currently, I'm with Tidal Health, uh, which previously was Nanticoke Health Services. We joined with another hospital system and became Tidal Health a year or two ago. And prior to that, I was in private practice. <clears throat> Jen Ketterman, um, who joined our practice a couple of years ago, has been really helpful here to help us expand into the community um, because, you know, She's another provider, so she's taking patients and basically uh, helping us expand our foot. Um, currently, our practice is fairly heavily, heavily weighted with uh, elderly Medicare patients, retirees, and some working adults. Uh, most of our patients are well in excess of 50 years old. Um, we used to have younger patients, but uh, several of the large companies in the area, employers moved out of the area. 
um, and took a lot of the younger workers with them. So the demographics has changed. So I do have a fairly uh, high degree of um, medically complex patients at this point. That's we great don't see many pediatric patients. Um, and uh, our younger patients, a lot of times, are actually the children of the children who I immunized when they were younger. So we've been wow. here for a while. So that's some great background, um, just to get more of an idea of your patient population. Um, how would you categorize the socioeconomic status? Um, does it range from low to high income, or do you see more of um, uh, like a, a, a diverse population? Well, mo most of our patients are in the middle to low income groups. Um, we have a fair amount of Medicare, Medicaid recipients, and, and many of uh, our patients are on fixed income. We also have, um, you know, some low income earners. We have a few professionals, but for the most part, most of the population is in the low to low middle socioeconomic class. Um, you have blue collar people and retired blue collars, to tell you the truth. And we do have a fair degree of farmers as well. Okay. And now let's get more into it. So what do you think are the few consequences of patients not controlling their blood pressure? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's a, a thing that you really have to try to communicate with patients because um, the problems of hypertension are underestimated by the patients. Um, they range from the immediate things that you see and think about right off the bat, which is heart attack and stroke, but also uh, with long-term hypertension, you get some more insidious diseases uh, and long-term problems, you know, like heart failure, kidney failure, uh, retinal damage, uh, atherosclerosis, and all these contribute and make other problems for patients. So a lot of times it's not just the immediate stuff that you see right up front. Everyone thinks of heart attack and stroke when they think high blood pressure, um, but you have to really uh, explain to patients, you know, the problem of long-term hypertension with end organ damage causing things like heart failure and those uh, things I mentioned above. Also in a lot of your uh, diabetic patients, it's a double whammy because they get the diabetes and the hypertension and it really gives them a lot of problems with you know, increasing the risk of heart disease, kidney failure and, and blindness. So there are a lot of uh, complications to hypertension that a lot of patients are just not aware of. And that's part of the problem. You have to educate them with respect to this. Those are some good uh, points, especially with the comorbidities and the challenges relating with that. What are some of the most prominent hypertension control challenges that you often see in your practice? And how do you and your care team counteract them? Well, there, there's a lot of challenges. And the first one right off the bat is that Hypertension, for the most part in most patients, is a silent disease. They come in, their blood pressure is high, they don't feel bad, so they don't think anything's wrong. Um, so you have to kind of educate them on, well, even though your blood pressure is high, you may feel okay, but it's not okay that your blood pressure is high. Um, some of the community were actually some very high numbers and are totally asymptomatic. Some people say they know when their blood pressure is high. Sometimes they're wrong. Most times they're wrong, obviously. Um, and there's a lot of denial. Um, people will say, well, I'm, I don't really have high blood pressure. I'm just a little nervous right now. Um, you know, um, uh, the dog ate my, you know, shoes this morning or, they, or something that made them upset earlier in the day. 
and they come in with high blood pressure and it's it, you have to kind of convince them that it's not that it's they have high blood pressure especially after you've seen them a couple of times and their blood pressure is borderline high or a little bit on the high side you have to say listen we really have to bite the bullet here you are hypertensive so part of the problem is getting the patients to buy in that they actually have the problem um, another problem that you have is when you do uh, diagnose somebody with hypertension a lot of times they got there uh, through dietary issues eating a lot of fast food sodium rich products uh, sodas, coffee, uh, alcohol. So you're trying to break years and sometimes decades of bad habits and people are resistant to that. Uh, so there's some of the challenges, uh, you know, then you have sedentary lifestyles. You got to get people moving. Um, so I, I have things that I use to combat all that stuff, but it's a lot of coaching of the patient, you know, especially when it comes to like obesity, things of that uh, nature. And uh, one of the problems when you do have a lower socioeconomic class of people is cost of medications, uh, especially those with fixed incomes. Uh, a lot of times, unfortunately, people are trying to make choices between, well, do I want to eat or do I want to pay for my medications? Um, so you try to get them to buy in on that. And lifestyle modifications are, are really the cornerstone of trying to treat hypertension. So always uh, counseling patients and trying to get them to change diet, change activity. Uh, there are some of the big challenges. So it's safe to say that education and, and nutrition is really an important component to the care plans for your patients and, and the workflow that you have at your offices. Yeah, that, that's, that's it because a lot of times, you know, we only see the patient for, you know, a 15, 20 minute visit uh, but the rest of the time, they're out in public. Um, so they have to learn that there are things that they can do themselves besides just taking the medication uh, to improve their overall, you know, blood pressure, quality of life. Um, so you are trying to, like I say, you're trying to change sometimes decades of bad habits. And sometimes that's not easy to do. And, and people are very comfortable in their lifestyle. So sometimes they're a little bit resistant to some of the changes. So you, you fight the battles you can win. Uh, you don't try to fight all of them all at once. Uh, you basically uh, pick off things that you can get rid of. Like if someone's drinking a lot of caffeinated uh, beverages or they're uh, doing a lot of salt on their foods, you try to get them to tackle one beast at a time. Um, and eventually you get there. You kind of have to have a long-term outlook on this because you know, fighting any of these chronic diseases is a long-term process. So you have to attack the problem that way or else you won't be very successful at it. Great point there, that, that behavior change aspect. Now, you already touched on it um, a little bit by tackling um, things one time, uh, one at a time. What other interventions did you and your care team put in place to control hypertension and your quality measures? Well, like I said, uh, we do all try to counsel on lifestyle. Um, and one of the things we do monitor through the electronic records is if we see someone's been out there in, in seeing patients in other areas, they've been seeing other providers, we can look and we can see, well, their blood pressure was a little bit high when they went to see their rheumatologist or their, their orthopedic surgeon. Um, and so we will actually call them and bring them in to say, listen, your blood pressure is running a little high. I think we need to take a look at you here. Um, so that does help. Uh, get their blood pressure down. 
and lets them know we're looking at them. Uh, we, you got to get the patient to buy in on things. Uh, one of the things we, I, I try to do personally in the room is, is I describe to them the consequences of long-term hypertension. And sometimes I have to get quite graphic because, you know, you'll hear this, oh, well, you got to die of something. Um, and that, that's, that sounds easy, but I tell them oh, dying is the easy part. Living with it is the, is the big problem. If you have a major stroke or you have a major heart attack, you know, you're going to be disabled. You're going to have an, an effect on quality of life, uh, which you're not going to be happy with. So it's important to get the blood pressure down. So mentoring patients, uh, teaching them, looking at them through the EMR, uh, letting them know that you're in, you're interested in their care and getting them on board, getting them to buy in on the problem is, is, is a big part of the battle because they got to take some ownership of it because, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem. They have to realize that there's a problem and they have to try to tackle it with us. Yes. So making sure that the patient has that active role in their health care, that's, that's good. Um, does this practice participate in a self-monitor blood pressure SMBP program? SMBP programs are those that allow patients to loan out a validated blood pressure cuff for a period of time to allow the patient to record their blood pressure readings at home. Um, yes, we uh, do have a program like that that I can refer to. Uh, we have uh, a nurse that sets patients up with the equipment and reaches out to them to, for their blood pressure readings. We also have a, a called a Care Champion, which is a software in our Epic uh, EMR system. Our coordinators assign tasks to the patients uh, through the patient portal, and the patients can self-monitor their blood pressure and report back to the care coordinator. Um, as an aside, um, we've done stuff like that for here in the distant past. When I used to own the practice, I used to loan out cuffs myself um, because it was, I, it's important for the patient to take their own blood pressure. And a lot of times, even if they have their own cuffs, because we will prescribe cuffs for people, uh, we'll have them bring them in and make sure the cuff is not only working, but that they're utilizing it properly. Because sometimes, you know, it's, they're using poor technique when they're taking their blood pressure. And at that point, we can make sure they're assessing their technique. We can make sure they're doing it properly. And we get it a little bit of extra time to counsel them on lifestyle modifications as well. So we do participate in those type of things. Great. That's great to hear that the practice has those types of programs. What about the Healthy Heart Ambassador um, program? Do you guys refer to the Healthy Heart Ambassador um, blood pressure self-monitoring program or other healthy lifestyle change program? The Healthy Heart Ambassador blood pressure self-monitoring program is a no-cost, four-month evidence-based program for those who have hypertension. The program teaches participants techniques in managing blood pressure, offers regular coaching, support, nutrition, and education. Um, and at-need participants also receive a free blood pressure cuff as active participants. Well, my care coordinator, Crystal, she refers to the Heart Healthy Ambassador Program. Um, we can refer patients to her and then she basically will forward them to the program. That's good to hear. What advice do you have for other physician practices who are interested in improving their blood pressure control rates? Well, um, one of the things that really I find helpful is I am blessed that I have an incredible staff here. Um, everybody 
is on board. So it really helps when everyone's on board to help, you know, lend a helping hand. Um, also, you know, Tidal Health itself is really on board with the whole uh, hypertension problem and is very supportive in supplying us with personnel and uh, resources in order to, to do this. Um, and like I said, uh, with our staff, uh, like my medical assistant, Kelly, she's been with me for 27 years now at this point. Uh, I hate to admit that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she'll she'll actually, if patients come in, like say for an unrelated cause, say they come in with, you know, a knee problem or something orthopedically related or sore throat or cold, she'll check their blood pressure and, and she'll tell me, hey, their blood pressure is a little bit high, better, you know, better to pay attention to that. And that way it doesn't slip through the cracks. So those things kind of help. And with individual patients, you kind of have to be persistent with them. Um, you have to kind of stay on them and sometimes I guess actually annoy them. And you have to be uh, frank and honest about the long-term effects. I feel that uh, a lot of patients either don't appreciate or were not made aware of the long-term effects of high blood pressure, even though they feel good, like what I kind of digressed to earlier um, with heart failure and that things, you know, those type of problems that they're going to have down the road. So you have to educate the patient. And I think if you educate them and give them tools that they can use and kind of praise them when they do good stuff, because you want to basically get them on board with the problem. You've got to get them to take ownership of it or else you'll be pretty unsuccessful. Um, you just can't pontificate the patients here. Your blood pressure is high. Take this medication and eat this because they're not going to do it. I mean, I can't expect anyone to do that stuff, but you have to counsel them. You have to talk to them. You got to educate them um, and tell them like we're doing this, you know, for your quality of life. I mean, you, know, you want to be around for your children, you know, your, your grandchildren. You want to be a good quality of life. You want to be able to do the things you want to do and still be old. Uh, I mean, that's, 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 to me, that's the end game here is to not only extend life, but extend quality of life. So as people get older, they'll be able to still participate in things and do things they want to do and not just exist. I mean, sometimes one of the things you have to do is you have to be a little bit annoying is that if they're out of control or non-compliant, well, you get to see them more often. You say, I'll see you back here in three weeks, four weeks, and we'll reassess your blood pressure. And we'll go about it at that time. And every time you see them, you get to discuss lifestyle modifications. And sometimes if they bring their spouse in, you can get the spouse involved with it because uh, I'm sure they're perfectly willing to do it sometimes. Um, and as they get better, as they get more compliant, you can start spacing out the visits um, and they're appreciative of that. Um, so I usually try to see if you're well controlled. I'll see you every six months. If you have you know, iffy control, I may see you every three months if you're not really in that good control or um, not really that compliant, I'll bring you back every four to six weeks until, until we get a, until we get what we want. Um, and I try to tell people, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for you. Uh, so like I said, getting uh, some ownership in the problem and getting the buy-in on it. Uh, sometimes they'll get a little aggra aggravated with you, but you kind of have to just keep counseling and you have to keep uh, pushing. And a lot of times you have to convince them that, you know, you're not going to be taking one medication. You'll probably be taking two, maybe three medications because 
you know, studies and, and data shows that people do better when they're on two medications. Um, so you try to get them to buy in on that the lifestyle modifications, watching salt, caffeine, uh, weight loss. And it, it, it's a long road, but you got to be in it for the long haul. So those are some really good points there. I like what you said there that consult, talk, talk and educate to your patients and also the spacing of their appointments in relation to how in control they are over their condition. Well, Dr. Apiet and your team, thank you so much for this important information on hypertension control. Hypertension management is key to those who suffer from this chronic condition. Quality Insights encourages you and your care team to implement new strategies and workflows to improve hypertension management with your practice. To take advantage of our no-cost assistance and to receive additional information, please feel free to contact us here at Quality Insights at 1-800-642-8686, extension 7814. We would like to congratulate Title Health Federalsburg and all their efforts in becoming potential 2023 Million Hearts Hypertension Control Champions. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you picked up some useful tips and information.